You are listening to RudolfSteinerAudio.com. If you are listening to the podcast of this, it is located at RudolfSteiner.Podbean.com. Please consider becoming a patron. As well, there are two publishing houses, SteinerBooks.org in America and RudolfSteinerPress.com in England, who are the sole publishers of Steiner into English and have given me permission to do these recordings. Please consider patronizing them as well. This is a reading of Collected Works, Volume 266, Volume 2 of three volumes, entitled Esoteric Lessons. This one is from 1910 to 1912, translated by James Hines. This Part 5 goes from pages 182 of the book to 227. Esoteric Lesson, Karlsruhe, October 10, 1911. Record A, Notes from the Collection of Elizabeth Freda. Record B, Manuscript from Matilda Scholl and Barbara Wolf. Record C, Notes from Günther Wagner. Record A. Before we can begin with the esoteric lesson, I am obligated to say something. Because of a brochure handed to me by one of the members of our inner circle, who is motivated by a good impulse, I am moved to say something. As all of you know, every pupil of esotericism receives meditations according to his or her disposition and capacities. These exercises are designed, in their structure and sequence of words, out of deeper underlying reasons, to bring about exactly what pupils need for their spiritual development. And it is of the greatest significance how the words are sequenced, indeed even which word is employed and where it stands, so that what is intended can be achieved. Many of you have received as a morning verse the following words, In pure rays of light shines the divinity of the world. In pure love to all beings raise the divinity of my soul. I rest in the divinity of the world. I will find myself in the divinity of the world. Close quote. Steiner again. Now I have received here a brochure in which the following is to be found. Quote, I see in the pure rays of the light the divinity of the world. In the love to all beings raise the divinity of my soul. I live in the divinity and find myself again in the divinity of the world. Close quote. Steiner again. It is difficult to ascertain how the writer of this brochure came to this formulation, for it belongs exclusively to our esoteric school. It could be that one of our pupils had the lack of caution to share it with an outsider. We could also imagine another case, a case that actually happened several years ago, the case in which someone was meditating over these lines in a hotel or pension, and in the next room there was someone who clairvoyantly caught these thoughts. In the first mentioned case, we should, actually we should always, feel the greatest compassion with respect to such things. As esotericists, we know that such things bring their own punishment, even when nothing malicious is intended. This must happen because every word of the meditation has been placed in its position in the most careful way, 
and if it is taken out of its context, then the effect that results will be the opposite. By means of this arbitrary change in the sequence of words, indeed, through the use of this positive little word I, capital, one has created the opposite effect. In the original verse, everything flows, sustained in an objective way, so that everything should work through the imaginative picture. Our meditations should always proceed from our inner moral impulses. The external world, and especially our personal I, should be entirely excluded. We should take hold of the divinity of the world with complete objectivity in our thoughts, just as it flows through and permeates the world with its divine light. In doing so, our I should not intrude itself, for then the effects would be transformed into the opposite. Entirely different spiritual effects would then have to appear, that is, luciferic effects. The moral impulse that with all humility suppresses the I and that should be completely devoted to the divine spirit of the world in which one reposes does not emerge in the line, quote, I see in the pure rays of light, close quote. Also in the last lines, quote, I live in the divinity and find myself again in the divinity of the world, close quote, the egotistical principle protrudes markedly. For something entirely different is experienced in the words, quote, I rest, close quote. We see in this how extraordinarily precise and careful we must be, so that we apply the words of our meditations absolutely correctly, also in our thoughts. Now, we will go to some pictures that we can use for our esoteric training, because they have a very powerful effect. We know that the path to higher worlds passes through imagination to begin with, then comes the path of inspiration, than that of intuition. The pictures that are now to be given strengthen the organs that lead to imaginative vision. In our theosophical teachings, we have often heard that the world is maya, that we ourselves are maya. If modern science also now begins to explain the world in this way, then it should certainly not be an empty phrase for us. When we observe a rose, it shows us its upright blossom with the stem pointed downward. Nevertheless, what we think we are perceiving is not a true picture. Modern science teaches us that what we see comes about through a crossing of the rays of light, so that in our eyes an upside-down picture of the rose arises, while we are perceiving the outer picture of the rose with the blossom above that is the reflection of the real light appearance in us. From this we see that what appears to us out there in the external world is maya, and indeed a reversed maya, in which that which is below appears above. Thus it is with everything around us, the whole world, the surface of which we believe we are perceiving, and ourselves with it. In the real view everything is on its head, if we want to perceive the true form of the world, then we must not seek the reflections, 
but rather the realities behind them, before they are reflected in the outer world. Everything, absolutely everything, is turned around from how we see it. What appears to be above is below. What appears to be behind us is in front of us. What appears to be left is right. In short, we must be able and willing to recognize this so that we can become free of maya. If, for example, we hear sounds and think that they are coming from the right, then in reality they are coming from the left. If we see objects standing in front of us, then in reality there are forces that are pressing on us from behind. It is the same with the stars in the sky. We see the sky before us when we look up. In reality, it is reflected back to our eyes by forces that are located behind us. If we want to arrive at the truth of the world, we must ascend from the spirits of form to the spirits of movement so that they can help us to see what is placed before us as a reflection by the spirits of form, as a reversal of reality. As an exercise in doing this, the following drawing can serve as a symbol. When we see a rose with a blossom above, we move it in our thoughts downward and thereby perform a movement that can symbolize for us the forces of the spirits of movement. There is, however, one thing in human beings that is no mere appearance of the senses, that is not maya. This is the word that sounds forth from human beings, the living word, the logos. The word does not come to us from outside of us. It is something living in us. It is our actual true being. It streams forth from our soul life. We are it ourselves with all our feelings that we allow to flow forth between our lips outward into the world. And if we think this through deeply, how the Word is the Logos, how everything that is spoken in the world is spoken out of this source, then we will feel deeply our responsibility for our words. More about this in the next lesson. Only what people have spoken in their words will carry over into the next planetary condition and survive the earth. What we hear coming from the left actually comes as stated from the right. But the sounds that we speak are the only thing that is not otherwise than it appears to be. It sounds forth from our inner life. And it actually comes from our inner life. Divine beings, the Logos, speak to us from these sounds. The end of record A. Record B. Before we go to the esoteric lesson, it is necessary to stress something. Many of those present here have received a meditation for acquiring certain occult forces and for strengthening the soul. Such meditations can be given only in harmony with the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings. Not everyone has this verse because such things are not necessarily equally appropriate for everyone. Such verses should, of course, be kept strictly secret. It is not allowed to pass them on because doing so would bring, as a result, heavy karmic consequences. 
Now, a brochure has been brought to me by someone whose impulse to bring it to me was correct, in which the formulation, quote, in pure rays of light shines the divinity of the world, and so forth, close quote, can be read in a somewhat altered form. Now, we do not want to judge this in a strict way, but rather practice gentleness and mercy. Already giving someone the verse correctly written would create bad consequences. Now, the verse could have arisen in such a way that the individual involved incurs no guilt. Let us assume that an individual who has a certain clairvoyance lives in a room next to someone who is meditating this verse properly and simply reads the lines from their thoughts. This can certainly happen. The individual meditating would naturally incur no guilt. Now, in a verse like this, every word is essential and meaningfully placed by the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings. In the sentence that begins this verse, it is stressed that the soul should objectively permeate into this spiritual world content and not with that which is permeated by the lower forces of the I, capital. In the altered form, exactly the opposite is stressed. The soul that is filled with the I permeates into the spiritual world. We read there, quote, In pure rays of light, I recognize the divinity of the world. Close quote. In the correct formulation, it continues so that the soul gives itself passively, while we read in this version, quote, I live in the divinity of the world, close quote, in which the word live points to something active. This difference is found also in the concluding sentence. In the correct formulation, we find, quote, I will find myself in the divinity of the world, close quote, while in this altered version, we read, quote, I find myself in the divinity of the world, close quote. Exactly the opposite is expressed in the altered form. It will still be early enough to speak of this and these consequences when the time comes to read the true verse in its correct formulation. We have already heard exoterically that there are three ways to penetrate into the spiritual world through imagination, inspiration, and intuition. In connection with our meditations, certain imaginations have been given to us that should help us to achieve our goal and to strengthen our souls. Now to these we can add pictures that give us certain powers. Let us return to a saying that we have often heard and have certainly recognized as truth, but which we nevertheless do not always call to mind often enough. That is the saying, quote, the whole world around us is maya, close quote. Strictly speaking, what does this mean? With our senses we perceive the external world. Let us consider a rose standing in front of us. It says to us, quote, I am here. You perceive me with your senses. You must picture me, close quote. But is this process really correct in this form? Do we really see the rose the way it really is? Even modern science can help us here. We know that the visual nerves cross behind the eye. There they call forth an inverted picture of the object, which then projected outward shows the object as we see it outside us. 
the real image of the rose, arises in us upside down, the blossom below, the root above. If the external world is maya, then it is a mirror image of its true form. It is as if we imagined a mirrored reflection of a landscape in still water. We see everything around us in a mirror image. We must think of everything around us as inverted, human beings and their entire surroundings. Thus, the rose that stands before me I must think of as behind me, with the roots above and the blossom below. When we think we are hearing with the right ear, it is maya. The force is coming to us from the left, and we become aware of it in the right ear. What appears to lie in front of us is only maya, only a mirror reflection of what lies behind us, and is revealed through us, and thus conjures the things in front of us. Just as the true image of things arises from within outward, so it must be the case with true morals. For true morality must have its source in inner conviction, not in external prompting. We must think of everything as reversed. The starry sky that spreads before my view I must think of as behind me. We must go further. Where darkness rules, there is mighty spiritual light. Where physical light does not appear to the eye, there is spiritual light. Connected with this is what was said earlier, that when we begin to see clairvoyantly, it easily happens that we first see the light of our own etheric bodies in our own shadows. Thus, when we observe the world, not in its mirror images of external maya, but rather attempt to see it in its true form, we are doing something very specific. We are setting everything in motion, and we set ourselves in relation to the spiritual hierarchies that stand above the spirits of form, which are the spirits of movement. Everything that we see around us is, as we see it, maya. Everything that we see, hear, feel, and so forth. There is only one thing that is given to us by the wisdom of the world that is really real. The Word, the Logos. Air is also not real. We have one thing that does not penetrate to us from outside and appear to us as Maya. Rather, it streams forth from within us, revealing our inner being, speech, the Word. And so this gift from the God should be sacred to us and we should not misuse it. Nothing should sound forth from us other than the content of our souls in all uprightness. For we find the fact in the Akashic Chronicle that everything will dissolve and pass away and only what people have spoken remains as something eternal giving form to the next planetary formation of the earth. In the beginning was the Word, and the power of the Word is divine. We must gradually acquire the power to observe the world the way it is without losing the self in doing so. End of Record B Record C Esoteric exercises must be practiced exactly and with the words as they were given. These exercises have been taken out of the spiritual world 
and must be carried out exactly as they are prescribed. As soon as one brings an I capital into these exercises, which are intended to create a very specific mood, great cosmic karmic effects are thereby called forth for the one involved. This is connected to both. That is, the first four lines of the verse, quote, In pure rays of light shines the divinity of the world. In pure love to all beings rays the divinity of my soul. Close quote. This verse was published in a brochure, but not entirely correctly, with I in the sentences. Dr. Steiner referred to these verses. The same holds true for passing meditations on to others, especially so when they are reproduced in printer's ink and become the general property of the masses. There are three steps to knowledge of higher worlds. Number one, imaginative knowledge. Number two, inspired knowledge. Number three, intuitive knowledge. When we start at the first step, it is very valuable for the soul if we awaken in our souls imaginative pictures that must come forth from inner morality. Several such pictures would be the following. Imagine light. Spiritualize the image in your mind until you can imagine colorful flowing light as the substance of the world. Feel warmth that can be intensively felt as love that shines through the world and can be felt as the love of God. Also, something that can be especially valuable. Think of the essence of things and in so doing, feel that everything that we can see with our senses is illusion, is maya. For example, that which is above, imagine below, and vice versa. For example, flowers, people, and the starry sky. Whatever happens on the left, feel on the right. See in front of us that which takes place behind us, as an intersection of forces, and as a mirroring of what is behind us. Also, think of light as darkness, reversed in the same way. For example, a clairvoyant can see the spirit, which a human being has, as inner power of illumination in his or her shadow. The spirits of form have ensouled and permeated with their being everything that lives and weaves, that has taken on a form, and everything that we perceive with our senses. However, because everything that exists in the world of the senses is a reflection of the spirit, we must turn to the spirits of movement and with them carry out a turning around to the actual beings and origin of things. In this way, a deep inner reverence will also be wakened in us. The only real thing in our sense world is the word. The Logos stands behind the word, the archetypal sounds. The word of the original language is the archetype of God's creative speech. Every word spoken sends forth the soul substance from which it originates. What lives in our souls is impressed upon the word just as we speak it. The word of the original language is the soul content that creates worlds. The languages of the world, these many various differences and divisions, are caused by Luciferic spirits. 
Quote, in the spirit lay the seed of my body. In my body lies the seed of the spirit. End of esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Karlsruhe, October 14, 1911. Record A, notes from the collection of Elizabeth Freda. Record B, manuscript from Matilda Scholl and Barbara Wolf. Record C, notes from Günther Wagner. Record D, anonymous notes. Record E, manuscript from Louis Classon. Record F, notes from the collection of Fred Pepic. Record G, manuscript from Alice Kinkle. Record A. Last time we discussed how everything that is in the outer world is Maya, and that everything must be imagined in reverse. And we stressed that esotericists should learn to live in such a consciousness that they observe everything around them in this way. If they look at a flower, then they imagine it inverted. If they hear a sound coming from the right, they think that the sound is coming from the left. They can go further and, in many other cases, think the same. There where it is dark, they should say to themselves that it is actually bright. Where there is light, there is actually darkness. If we anchor these feelings of reversal of the maya that surrounds us, if all our thinking is oriented in this way, then we will observe a great transformation within us, which leads us to truth. However, if we want to understand all of this with mere reflection, then we are led to great dangers. Esotericists know, of course, that all symbols and all esoteric teachings can harbor a certain danger if they are wrongly understood and applied. But then, too, as esotericists, we are not small children. Those who have attempted what was described here the last time will have gotten a feeling as if the ground had been pulled out from under them. And if one attempts to understand these things with reason, then it is as if two mirrors were set up facing each other so that an endlessly repeating reflection appears. The danger consists in this, that human reason begins to dance with this endless repetition as in a whirling vortex. Healthy common sense says then, here my reason must remain stationary. Only an unhealthy soul life allows itself to be pulled into the whirling dance. We can go even further with this inverting and involve the human being. Imagine a human face with a lighter or darker coloring, with lighter or darker hair. Now, we imagine the light face to be dark, the dark hair to be light, and so forth. Furthermore, we should think of the places where the face has hollows as pushing outward, and where it is puffed out as having hollows. At the same time, transform the skin color. Where it is colored rosy, think of it as dark green, there where it is pale as bright green. If we could feel this, we would be in a position to know this person according to his inner being. The dark green color, for example, would show us that we are dealing with a man who stands firmly in a life that works in the three lower kingdoms of nature. If the color appears bright green, then he would be more inclined toward the spiritual. And where we see blue, the highest spiritual traits would be displayed.
However, if we were first to imagine the color and then carry it over in thought onto the face as it stands before us, then we would come to the worst false paths. We must also imagine that something that looks ugly is in reality beautiful. That is the reason why Christ on the cross, especially in the old paintings, was not presented as beautiful but often as ugly and distorted. Those who are always busy talking about their difficulties, about their physical pain, and who daily give an account of all the sufferings, both the large and the small, that they must endure, would be weak esotericists. Those who would advance must develop the strength within not to always want to cure their suffering through all kinds of medications and cures. Rather, they must understand that all of this belongs to an esoteric development in which the entire being of a person is subject to a transformation. For example, it would be an instance of a thoroughly ill soul life if a man were to walk through a meadow, see an autumn crocus, and then think that it wanted to swallow him. However, it can happen to esotericists, even if they are not sick, that one may feel that one is about to be grabbed from behind by a higher being and be, in quotes, absorbed. Among ordinary people there are those who are afraid of open windows when they are on an upper floor of a tall building, because the desire arises to throw themselves out the window, or there is also the fear of open spaces, agoraphobia, when someone is afraid to cross an open space. This fear ceases if the person feels someone next to him. Official medicine provides causes for all these phenomena, but the true reason is that such people have a deficit of justified solitude. Solitude is something that everyone needs to a certain extent. It is not mere egotism. Those who always want to help others will one day feel that they cannot help any longer until they have obtained the strength from solitude. Those who always want to speak will one day sense that they are speaking only empty words unless they allow spiritual forces to come to them in solitude. We need solitude for prayer and meditation. Communal prayer can only bring us to a certain experience out of a group soul. Those who think that it is egotistical to go into solitude simply have the need to be with other people, not in order to help them, but only because they do not want to be alone. Even the selfless, quote, desire to help, close quote, can in reality arise out of egotism, if someone simply wants to socialize with others. Thus, for example, mesmerizing, which is ostensibly used to ameliorate the suffering of others, can come from the need to feel pleasure oneself through stroking someone else's body. Although love and egotism are opposite poles, it is nevertheless true that in certain borderline cases these two come very close, and it is difficult to distinguish one from another. We are surrounded by the three lower kingdoms of nature, although it would be evidence of an unhealthy soul life for someone to fear being devoured by the beings of the mineral kingdom or the plant kingdom, it can certainly happen to esotericists that through their meditations 
they feel they are being swallowed up by higher beings. Just as we have the three kingdoms of nature below us, so do we have above us the three spiritual hierarchies. And it is these beings, and also those that have more to do with the inner evolution of humanity, that influence us and cause the feeling described above. However, at the same time, we are given strength through our I-consciousness, so that we are not entirely absorbed by higher beings, so that we do not become a willless tool. It is rather the case that a higher development leads precisely to our being able to make our feeling and sensing independent. Otherwise, we would lose our self-consciousness entirely. We should develop ourselves up to the higher hierarchies consciously. Those who have grasped the great truths concerning the world and the human being through the study of theosophy in such a way that they are permeated and ensouled by these truths, such people learn to feel themselves among spiritual beings in such a way that their independent existence cannot be endangered. Then, no matter what may happen to us, we learn to say from out of our inner life, this comes from God. We learn to say in suffering, God is sending us this suffering as a loving reminder of our past mistakes. And when happy, we will say, this is grace that God is sending us. And it leads us to gratitude, not to arrogance. Then we learn to see the work of divine powers in all that happens. Then we will gradually feel that we have found the proper relationship to the cosmos. The end of record A. Record B. We heard the last time how effective it is for our soul to allow the imagination to work on us that the outer world is Maya, that only the inverse picture brings us the truth. We can go even further with this imagination. If we look at a person's face, then we could imagine its inverse. Everywhere there is a raised surface, imagine a depression. Think dark hair to be light, light hair to be dark, and so forth. Also the color of the face we would think in reverse, but not just imagining a dark color instead of a light color. Rather, we could imagine the individual spots of color in their complementary colors. For example, a red spot is green. If we live into this process properly, then the colors will announce to us something of the traits of the person. A bright green, thought of as a complementary color, would signify that the person cannot get free of all that is connected with their bodily nature. A dark green signifies a striving toward the spirit. Blue signifies an especially strong striving for the spirit. These colors then become as if transparent for us. These are the colors of the etheric body. This all works only if we inwardly feel it. By observing in this way, we will gradually come to recognize the true qualities and traits of people much more than in any other way. Our intellect can at most reach the point of saying the external world is a maya. In its inverse image, I see it in its true form. Here, at this point, the intellect must remain stationary, 
otherwise it lands in confusion and loses the ground beneath its feet. Our thoughts are mirror images of the outer world. Think of a mirror and of an object reflected in it. If we place another mirror across from the first mirror, we get reflections of reflections on into the blurry distance. This would happen to us if instead of simply contemplating occult facts, we wanted to brood over them and draw conclusions in order to find new facts. That would have to lead us to a certain kind of confusion. We must rather experience these things with our feeling. Just the way a human being stands between the etheric image and his or her physical maya image gives us a proper image of the human being. If a person in the physical body appears ugly, the middle image already reveals this, and vice versa. There was a certain stream in art that pointed to this. There are pictures of Christ that show the figure of Christ as not at all beautiful. It is good for the soul to have the possibility, the necessity to experience solitude. The soul needs solitude from time to time, and it is good for it to stand alone. Those who devote themselves to prayer and meditation feel the need for solitude for this purpose. The need to be with other people often arises from egotistical feelings. We think we would like to help. There are certain borderline areas where egotism and love can hardly be separated from one another. We would like to do something for other people and fundamentally we are doing it only because it gives us satisfaction. A mesmerizer may think he or she is especially able to help someone with a stroke of the head and in reality it happens only because the stroke causes a certain pleasant feeling. Now someone might wrongly object that it is still egotism when we enjoy solitude. That is not correctly thought through and would not be selflessly thought in the proper sense of the word. For I acquire strength from solitude. From this egotism, in quotes, I get the strength for deeds of love. The need for solitude is a blessing for the soul. It can be a feeling that brings happiness to the soul. But a feeling can also arise that says, I stand here alone and can depend upon myself alone. All other people are distant from me and are alien to me, and none of them can understand me. Such a feeling can fill the soul with pain, but it must be able to lift itself above and out of that feeling. It would certainly be a very sick soul indeed who would walk through a meadow, see an autumn crocus in blossom, and say, quote, I am afraid of this crocus, it could devour me. Close quote. As stated, a soul that could speak in that way would definitely be disposed toward illness. And yet similar feelings could arise in an esotericist, and we must certainly be prepared for something like this. An esotericist can reach the point of saying, quote, I feel myself devoted to spiritual worlds, they are taking possession of me. It is as if I am beginning to be absorbed by higher beings. Close quote. And in such a soul, resentment can arise with respect to the gods. Just as there are three kingdoms below us, the animal, plant, and mineral kingdoms, 
so too we have above us the three lowest kingdoms of the higher hierarchies, angels, archangels, and archai. And at a certain moment a soul can feel as if angels were taking possession of it, and it resists. What are we really doing when we devote ourselves to the facts of esoteric research that are brought to us in theosophy? What is it that we are taking into ourselves? It is nothing more than the thoughts of the Godhead that existed from the beginning and according to which all things have come about. The archetypes of all that has come into existence. Now, if we could do nothing other than take up the thoughts of the Godhead with our minds, we would have nothing more than mere afterthoughts. In quotes. With our minds, we would think the truths, but they would leave us cold. That would be like the feeling that we would have if we stood atop a high icy mountain which no warmth from the world could reach. Thus it would happen to our souls if we would take up the esoteric facts, which are the thoughts of God, in a way that is merely intellectual. In the past, in the Mauryan times, when people took up these things, they thereby devoted themselves entirely to the gods, and the warmth of the spiritual world permeated them. They left themselves intimately connected to the spiritual world. In the course of ages, the intellectual grasping of these truths became increasingly unemotional and feeling always colder and colder. At the time of the mystery of Golgotha, the soul was already dripping with ice. But in the instant the Christ left the Christ-bearer on the cross and gave himself to the world, then with his holy fire he radiated glowing warmth into the coldness of the Spirit and transformed thereby the Spirit into the Holy Spirit. And now we confront the esoteric facts differently again. We take them up not only with our minds, we also enliven them with our feeling. We permeate and, in quotes, soak our most intimate feelings with esoteric facts. We allow what we have experienced to flow into all that we do. To the extent to which we do this, we have something of the Holy Spirit within us. Then, if we have a bodily sense of well-being, we say, quote, For this I thank the Divine Spirit in me. Close quote. And if a thought again arises within me, a thought that I have had in the past, then I say to myself, quote, Not I, rather it is the Divine Spirit within me who causes this thought to light up again within my soul. I no longer feel that the spiritual world simply takes possession of me, but rather that I have united myself with the Divine Spirit. And then we will feel the warmth of the Divine Spirit that permeates us. Close quote. End of record B. Record C. In the previous hour we discussed a mighty meditation that was placed before our souls. Some of you may even have attempted to see what presents itself to you in the sense world as maya. We can carry this meditation even further by attempting to perceive and feel the face and hair color, also the color of the eyes and any redness in the cheeks of any person who stands in front of us in their complementary color. And the surfaces that appear as raised or as depressions would be seen as inverted. 
For example, if a person has cheeks that appeared more red, then they would have to be felt as bright green. And it is a sign that this person still stands very much in external life. If with a lighter reddish coloring in the face, we feel a dark green coloring and if a bluish color shimmers over it, then a clairvoyant would be able to determine the degree of spirituality on this more or less intensive coloring. This is the beginning of being able to see a person's aura. All these things can only be sensed and felt. The connecting link between the etheric and the physical bodies is constantly the opposite of the outer visible human being. If someone appears ugly, then the connecting link appears beautiful. In many art movements today, we can see that this spiritual aspect, unconscious to the artist, is expressed in words of art. For example, in the many paintings of the crucifixion with ugly features distorted by pain. If we understand maya and illusion with our intellect and want to think through these exercises involving inverting or reversing, then the mind, if it has developed healthy thinking, can accompany the exercise only to the fact of the reversal or inversion. Otherwise, it would only become a constantly repeated and frustrating reflection of one's own thoughts, which could then degenerate into pathology. We must attempt to stand firmly with esoteric development. We must patiently bear all pain, suffering, states of fear, and so forth. It is not a good sign for esotericists when they complain and take all possible cures. We must be clear that a change in the body takes place and can call forth just such conditions. We can also be sought out by every possible nervous condition, such as we observe in neurasthenics, agoraphobia, wanting to jump down from heights. Then one must bear in mind that this is all maya, and above all that this kind of mental state signifies a strengthening of difficulties that appear later. We should be ruled by the thought that the more we have to suffer and overcome, the more we are favorites of the gods. Loneliness of the soul, not being understood by others, these come to meet us as the first difficulties of soul. Loneliness or solitude brings us the highest fruits of the soul. Praying and meditating in solitude brings us the strongest spiritual streams and strengthens our own individuality. Praying in a mass of people is only group blessedness. Solitude affects people differently according to their degree of development. It brings despair to one person, joy to another person. The drive for social interaction is sometimes excused with the claim that one wants to help other people and likes to be able to do so. Love and egotism go hand in hand. Talking too much leads to banality. As an esotericist, one must even fight for justified solitude. Before us we have the mineral, plant and animal kingdoms. Behind us stand the lower hierarchies, angels, archangels and spirits of personality. The feeling often fills us that an angel is entering into us and taking possession of us. All that we experience in terms of suffering and joy is a gift from the gods, 
that is, the Holy Spirit who works in us. If people had within them all the thoughts of theosophy that have now been given to the world, then they would have the thoughts of the gods. However, these thoughts would only release pure thinking within us and produce the frosty, icy coldness of wisdom. However, just as the first feelings of life stir in an egg, so too we should produce warmth within us. Love that streams through us and ensouls these thoughts of the gods is possible only through the Christ event. From the age of Lemuria until the Christ, there was even an ebbing, but now through Christ there should be a rising up again. Now it is possible to connect wisdom and love. We should meditate these feelings and thoughts of the gods as proceeding from the Father. We should then warm these feelings and offer them to Christ and then be born anew. The Spirit that is in us, through the Holy Spirit, meditated in the right Rosicrucian way, gives us certainty and independence that we should also have faced with the higher hierarchies. Addendum we should not merely believe in karma theoretically. It is very difficult to feel it really as a consequence of the past in the case of difficult life experiences. However, the esoteric exercises help us with this. For example, dispassionateness or poise. We should not only stand above joy or sorrow, but also in every fiber of our hearts we should be entirely devoted to the great justice of the world. Parenthesis, quote, Lord, your will be done, close quote, close parenthesis. During the retrospective review of the day, it is very good if points occur to us that escaped our notice entirely during the day. Another good imagination is to picture a plant as it appears green, but actually knowing that is maya or illusion. One should imagine it with leaves having a violet-red coloring, the stem blue, and so forth. Also, one should imagine the placement as reversed. Then if one is feeling properly, one will feel oneself to be the plant, will grow into it and grow with it into the spiritual heights. The same thing is given in the book How to Know Higher Worlds. All imaginations will appear to us in the right way if we imagine the world within ourselves as maya. It is very good to carry out this exercise with animals. We must be thankful to the beings that hinder our progress, that work against our karma. For if we were to remain as impure as we are, as disposed to be in our karma, then we would be tossed into the abyss. The end of Record C. Record D. We can go even further with these efforts if we stand in front of human beings and attempt to view even their external appearance as illusion and maya. So, for example, we would attempt to sense and feel their face coloring, their hair, eyes, and cheek coloring in the complementary colors. So also we would imagine all the elevated portions of their faces, that is, nose, or the depressions as reversed. In this way we come to the negative form. What as hollow space is left out of the physical body and constitutes the spiritual part. Parenthesis, compare this with the chapter in Theosophy titled Spiritland. Close parenthesis.
This is also the beginning of living into the aura of the human being. All of these experiences can only be felt and sensed. If we approach this with the intellect, we can carry out this kind of exercise only up to the reversal, the, quote, turning inside out, close quote, or we experience only a constant reflection of our own thoughts thrown back at us without penetrating into the spiritual world. If someone has, for example, very red cheeks, then these will have to be experienced in their complementary color, bright green, a sign that that person still stands very strongly in a vegetative life. For clairvoyant perception, a lighter shade of red presents a bluish shimmer over a somewhat darker green tone. Thus clairvoyants can recognize the degree of spirituality of the person standing in front of them. The connecting link between the etheric and physical bodies is constantly the counter-image of the externally visible human being. Externally, if a human being appears to us as beautiful, then the connecting link is ugly, and vice versa. We can see this often in many art movements of the present time, even if it is expressed unconsciously. For example, this is seen in some crucifixion paintings with the unattractive, pain-distorted features. If we want to place ourselves in the right way with our consciousness in the sense world, without being delivered over to its purely external maya and getting stuck there, then we must be clear about the following. Before us stand the kingdoms of the minerals, the plants and the animals. Behind us stand the kingdoms of the hierarchies that border on humanity, the angels, archangels and the spirits of personality. We can often have the feeling, especially when we are doing the above-mentioned exercises, that we are being absorbed by the hierarchies standing behind us. Also, the feeling will often appear as if an angel were entering us. In order, properly, to encounter this feeling of being absorbed, we must learn to regard everything that we experience as joy or sorrow as a gift from the gods, as brought to us by the Spirit of the Father as brought about within us by the Spirit of the Father. In this way we develop the inner serenity and poise that we need as inner strength and solidity in contrast to the higher hierarchies. One can say that if we were to take up into ourselves all those thoughts that are given today in theosophy, these would be the thoughts of the higher hierarchies, the gods, Nevertheless, thinking in us, these would produce an icy coldness. For this reason, we must connect these thoughts of the gods with warmth that awakens love in us. Even if this is possible only in a very weak way within us, nevertheless, it is the same as with the first feelings of life in a plant seed. Only since the Christ event has it become possible to connect wisdom with love. In this way we can feel and meditate the thoughts of the gods as proceeding from the Father, and we can warm this feeling in view of the sacrifice of Christ, through whom the spiritual substance was taken up within us. We can be born again in the world thoughts of the Holy Spirit, who is permeated by love. This lies in the threefold Rosicrucian verse, 
ex Deo nascimur, in Christo morimur, per Spiritum Sanctum revivissimus. This, practiced in the proper way, gives us the certainty and the independence that we need facing the higher hierarchies. Quote, in the spirit lay the seed of my body. In my body lies the seed of the spirit. Close quote. End of record D. Record E. The last time a mighty imagination was placed before the soul. If this imagination works correctly, we will say that we should take up such esoteric facts with feeling, with a feeling sensation, not with the intellect which leads reflections on into infinity and makes the soul, the spirit, confused. But we are to imagine not only that in front and behind, above and below are light and darkness, but also the human being who stands facing us. And imagine this in such a way that the parts of the face that spring forward recede and the coloring appears in its complementary color. For example, red appears as green. In this way we are to push forward toward the spiritual world, bright green still stuck on the bodily nature, where green becomes darker into blue, there a tendency toward the spiritual. Thus we are to slowly penetrate forward to vision of the etheric body. That which lies between the etheric body and the imagined opposite image, beauty is ugliness, ugliness is beauty, just as many painters have presented the spiritual as distortion in portrayals of Jesus on the cross. With esotericists, the external sheath will not immediately find the change that goes on in the inner human being. Physical complaints, but don't pay attention to them. Fight against them in order to strengthen the soul. Agoraphobia and dizziness are caused when we do not get enough justified solitude. Solitude is necessary for an esotericist. Common meditations and prayers create a group soul quality. The soul should become strong in itself. On the path of esotericism, there will be feelings of aloneness and of others not being present. This can cause either pain or joy. If we have all theosophical knowledge within us, then the thoughts of the gods are at work within us. How the fourfold human being evolved, or the evolution of the planets, existed in the thoughts of the gods before the human being was created. During the time of Lemuria, these thoughts were living in human beings with the fire of the gods. But the thoughts became ever colder up to the event of Golgotha. Then Christ came, and now the thoughts of the gods should be ensouled again through divine fire. Just as there are three kingdoms of nature behind us, so also behind us we have the three hierarchies of angels, archangels, and archai. Just as a person with a sick inner life has fear of being devoured by a flower, there is a moment of fear in esoteric development when one feels that one is as if lifted up from behind, as if absorbed. Against this, we can say with every pain, with every joy, quote, the Holy Spirit is causing this in me, close quote. In this way you acquire solidity, 
and self-preservation when ascending into the spiritual world. We proceed out of the kingdom of the ideas of the spirits, of the gods of the Father, through the fire of Christ, of the Son, into the kingdom of the Holy Spirit. End of record E. Record F. Overcoming inner states of fear. What is above all important in esoteric development is that we try to endure patiently all pain, suffering and fearful states through inwardly standing firm. This is the first big condition. It is not a good sign for esotericists if they complain and apply every different kind of cure for their suffering. Rather, we should be clear that a change is taking place in ourselves which simply causes such conditions of fear and pain. Also, all kinds of nervous conditions can be observed, for example, agoraphobia. All of these things can happen to us. To oppose this, it is necessary to arrive at a clear consciousness that everything is maya, illusion, and that these conditions and similar phenomena in reality signify a strengthening for later difficulties in inner development that will have to be overcome. In all of this, the thought should guide us that we are favorites of the gods, the more we have to overcome and to suffer. This gives us the proper strengthening and solidity that we need on our path. One of the first soul difficulties that comes to meet us is above all loneliness or the solitude of the soul, a not being present for others. But it is precisely solitude that brings us the highest and strongest spiritual streams and solidifies our individuality. On the other hand, prayer in a mass always brings a group soul quality. Solitude has different effects depending on the degree of development of the individual person. One person is brought to despair, another is brought to inner joy. The drive toward social contact to escape solitude is often excused by saying that one wants to help others. Nevertheless, excessive talking does not have a beneficial effect on us. It causes brutality. In this connection, love and egotism go hand in hand when we lose ourselves too much in sociability, quote, in order to help others, close quote. Nevertheless, one must learn to fight for justified solitude. This is often seen as egotism today. Still, an esotericist must be egotistical in certain cases, otherwise one would never achieve the level where one can be used as an instrument for humanity. Only a path through the trials just characterized leads us to the heights where we can find the spirit and then later serve it as a selfless servant. The end of record F. Record G. All that we see is Maya. In truth, we must say to ourselves, everything is the opposite of that which we see. That which is in front of us is in truth behind us, and what is behind is in front. Right is left. Left is right. Above is below. Below is above. High is deep and deepening is raising, and so forth. 
It is necessary for an esotericist to say this about all that is experienced. The end of Record G and the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric lesson given in Berlin on October 27, 1911. Record A, manuscript from Camilla Vandry. Record B, anonymous manuscript from Frede Collection. Record C, notes from Günther Wagner. Record D, manuscript from Louise Classon. Record E, anonymous notes. Record A. Great seriousness should hold sway in the esoteric life. An esoteric lesson should be something sacred, something that is entrusted to us, and we should never receive it as something familiar. We were certainly not all conscious of the necessary earnestness when we asked to be accepted into the circle of the esoteric school. Now we should increasingly recall this earnestness and strive for the connection with the spiritual worlds that we can reach through an esoteric training and not fall back into everyday life. All the exercises that have been given to us are to be considered as proceeding from the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings. In the esoteric life one must be alert to egotism. We often convince ourselves that we are doing something selfless, or we feel hate or envy against someone, which does not even come to consciousness. We think that as an esotericist, we must tell a person the truth or that we just cannot bear this or that from him or her. As soon as such feelings appear, we should remember that we are subject to great delusions and that their origin always lies in egotism. Feelings of this sort are always expressed in a feeling of warmth that permeates the etheric body, indeed the part of the etheric body that we call the warmth ether. This warmth reaches the physical body and works through the blood. We must be clear about the fact that these kinds of feelings always have a destructive effect on world evolution. The hierarchies whose task is to guide karmic connections then work in such a way that they employ beings of a luciferic sort who destroy these effects in us by working in a destructive way within the physical body. When we acquire proper self-knowledge, genuine insight into our own base nature, then a thoroughly ice-cold feeling passes through us, while that which lives in us in terms of impulses toward gratification is expressed in a feeling of warmth, just the opposite of self-knowledge. Samael is the chief instigator of the luciferic beings that work in this cold, bringing self-knowledge to people. They are perceptible in the most varied forms, usually similar to human beings, perceptible to the clairvoyant. People are often much more untruthful and dishonorable than they themselves know. Many say, quote, I really no longer have untruthfulness in me. I have set that entirely aside, close quote. But this untruthfulness is often so subtle that it usually does not come to our consciousness at all. For example, imagine the following. We read an announcement in the newspaper about a theosophical lecture in another city and decide to go there. We are convinced that we are traveling only for this purpose. It does not rise up into our consciousness that precisely in this city a good friend of ours lives 
whom we would be very happy to see again, or that a pleasurable event is taking place that we would gladly participate in. We believe that we want to travel there only on account of the lecture, whereas in reality there are other reasons for us to take this trip. We have, of course, been brought up not to tell any crass untruths. However, we have perhaps not yet overcome the tendency to appear better than we are or, in the light of strict self-examination, if it is a matter of life and death, to admit the truth and yet nevertheless to be silent about it, to veil it and put a cloak over it. All of this has a deleterious effect on the evolution of the world. The effect of such lies goes first to the astral body, then to the etheric body, indeed to the part of the etheric body that we call the light ether. Then these effects go further into the physical body and work upon our nervous system. All these dishonesties bring us to the attention of Azazel. He and his beings, whose leader he is, are revealed to a clairvoyant as similar to a human being, usually as a head with the wings of a raven. With egotism, jealousy, and hate, when we awaken we have a feeling of disgust, of loathing, that can be accounted for as the working of our double. Those who are still inclined to dishonesty feel a choking, scratching feeling in their throats when awakening. They feel as though they were being pinched by claws, tortured by a thousand arms. Azazel is doing this with his swarm. And when we feel his effects in the way indicated, we should be stimulated to reflect upon how deeply we are still entangled in lies and deception. Another stumbling block is indifference and obtuseness with respect to the spiritual world. Many students listen to an esoteric lesson, but what has been given them finds no echo. They are unable to free themselves from everyday life. They are unable to raise themselves to the spirit or surrender themselves to spiritual thoughts. Others are merely curious to see or hear something from the spiritual world. They simply throw themselves into meditation without dedicating themselves to a regular study of the subject because that would not be easy for them. This works directly upon the I, capital, and from there upon the astral body and then upon the etheric body, and to be sure, upon that part we call the chemical ether. From there it works into the physical body and all its glands and fluid secretions. This is the effect of Azazel. With people who are not esotericists, Azazel and his swarm constantly foster only beneficial effects because they work into such people not in a way deleterious for one's health but rather in a supplementary way, so to speak. With esotericists the effects go deeper and they are required to be constantly be aware of their complete responsibility for themselves and for the world. When awakening a lackluster esotericist will have a feeling of drowning as in a flood It will be all the stronger the more the esotericist surrenders to the life of the senses. Esotericists should constantly watch themselves 
It is all right for them to sometimes brood on themselves. Only in this way will they realize what is brought to us at the conclusion of every esoteric lesson by the masters of wisdom and harmony of feelings. Quote, in the spirit lay the seat of my body. In my body lies the seat of the spirit. End of record A. Record B. Only with great earnestness should an esoteric life be taken up. All too often it is curiosity that drives people to esotericism. They would indeed like to develop themselves, but are unwilling to study beforehand the esoteric material that has been given to them. For example, we often speak of, quote, conscious falling asleep and waking, close quote. What happens when we consciously awaken? Then we are submerged into what we really are, what our karma has made out of our various sheaths. In order for us to be able to submerge consciously, we must constantly practice self-knowledge. We can deceive ourselves all too easily concerning our motives for this or that deed. As soon as our reasoning leads us to conclude that we have selfless motives for a deed, we should be on the watch and consider well that it is most probable that in reality the reverse is true. We could be filled with envy for another person, or we might think that we must do something to oppose another person, and the motives for doing so are entirely different than we imagine. Indeed, in by far the most cases, the motives lie somewhere other than where we supposed. If we feel anger or envy, this feeling can grant us a certain satisfaction, but thereby we injure not only ourselves, but also the entire world. Such a feeling immediately influences the etheric body, indeed the part of the etheric body that belongs to the warmth ether. Also the satisfaction that follows a truly, not imagined, selfless deed affects the warmth ether of the etheric body, but then works back upon the entire world in a beneficial fashion. When a human being surrenders to selfishness in general, those beings of the higher hierarchies who are responsible for seeing to it that nothing improper enters into world evolution, send certain other beings that belong to the Luciferic swarms into the etheric body, so that the consequences of selfishness are destroyed. Thus these beings must constantly be at work in the evolution of humanity to work against these deleterious effects of egotism upon the warmth ether, and from there upon the physical body, and upon the blood. Their leader is known by the Kabbalistic name of Samael. If as esotericists we want to escape these effects, we must hold clearly before our eyes this exercise. If we are ever confronted by someone who makes us very angry, then we should take the feeling of warmth that otherwise fills us with the satisfaction of anger, set it aside, and cause it to pass over into a feeling of freezing cold. Another tendency that adheres to human beings is the inclination toward falsehood. Even if this tendency is held in check by education, nevertheless we are dealing with the fact that people have the possibility of being untruthful in certain circumstances, even if one does not often speak a lie. 
A lie has an immediate effect upon the astral body and from there upon the etheric body, specifically upon the light ether and then finally upon the physical body and the nervous system. These consequences too are destroyed by divine spiritual beings who are under the leadership of Azazel. These have the following effect upon human beings, in particular upon esotericists. Upon awakening we have the feeling as if a horrible monster had crawled into our throats and wanted to strangle us. This experience does not need to come to all esotericists, but some must go through it. Not all are spared it. The external form of these beings, as a clairvoyant sees them, is not what is especially important. They can show themselves in the most varied forms, but they have especially developed the human form, although Samael, for example, is a being that belongs to the salamanders. Especially Azazel has developed the human form well, with wings instead of arms. However, for an esotericist, it is important to know that Azazel shows himself as a being who wants to penetrate into his throat and strangle him. Human beings can also be so constituted that they are actually insensitive with respect to the spiritual world of the mind. This can even occur with esotericists who would like quickly to penetrate into the spiritual world, but do not study what has been prescribed for them to understand. This also has deleterious consequences that would appear in the world unless they are destroyed by spiritual beings under the leadership of higher hierarchies. For example, in Austria all teachers, young and old, once had to be tested anew because of new requirements that were established by law for the acquisition of a teacher's license. An instructional inspector, who did not want to make things too difficult for the old teachers, decided to test them only on the contents of the books they had been using for instruction all those years. And behold, it became evident that the majority of these teachers did not even know what was contained in the textbooks they themselves used. That is how insensitive they had become with respect to the spiritual mental world. Those spirits that are under the leadership of Azazel are actually a blessing for esotericists who have this tendency because Azazel does not need to destroy anything for them. Rather, he must bring something to them. Azazel is unbelievably busy with his swarm in the world. They work upon the chemical ether in the etheric body and thus upon the fluids in the blood that are transformed by mental apathy. Azazel has the effect upon esotericists such that they feel they are drowning upon awakening. One does not feel properly adjusted to the physical world and one would preferably immediately fall back asleep One often imagines luciferic beings as exclusively evil, but they do bring about much good in the world. The end of record B. Record C. We must take the esoteric life seriously. An esoteric lesson must be something holy to us. We should never experience it as the usual. None of us were conscious of the necessary seriousness when we asked to join the esoteric school. Now we should place this before our souls again and again and strive for a connection to the spiritual world 
in order not to fall back again into everyday life. The exercises that are given to us are to be seen as proceeding from the Masters. Esotericists should pay attention to themselves and their feelings, especially to everything having to do with self-knowledge. Most people, and we certainly also belong to this group, deceive themselves greatly with respect to matters that concern them. Number one, one must especially attend to egotism. We often tell ourselves that we are doing something selflessly, or perhaps we feel hate or envy towards someone of which we have not yet become conscious. And we believe that as esotericists we must tell that person the truth. Or perhaps there is something that we cannot stand about the person. As soon as such feelings appear, we should remember that we are subject to great delusions whose causes always lie in egotism. Feelings such as this always express themselves with a feeling of warmth that permeates the etheric body. Indeed, the part of the etheric body we call the warmth ether. And it works all the way down into the physical body through the blood. Feelings such as this always have a destructive effect upon the evolution of the world. The hierarchies, whose job it is to guide karmic connections, then work in such a way that they engage luciferic beings to destroy these effects in us, and then work destructively on the etheric body and indirectly work destructively upon the physical body. Correct self-knowledge insight into our own baseness induces a cold-as-ice feeling to flow through us. Everything in us that lives as emotion, driving us to gratification, is expressed in the feeling of warmth indicated above, which is just the opposite of the effects of self-knowledge. These beings whose leader is called Samael, with his large swarm, are revealed to a clairvoyant in various forms, usually appearing similar to human beings. They are almost always perceptible frequently for clairvoyance. When awakening, a feeling of disgust and loathing can always be traced back to egotism. Those who incline to dishonesty experience a choking, scratching feeling in the throat as if they were being tortured by a thousand arms. All those who observe themselves will then notice how entangled they are in lies and dissimulation. Number two, untruthfulness. Through our education, we are raised not to speak any gross untruths, but we have the inclination to appear perhaps better than we are. When push comes to shove, instead of admitting the truth, we say nothing or obscure it. All this has a deleterious effect upon the world's unfolding. Such untruths have an effect upon our astral body, then upon the etheric body, indeed upon the part we call the light ether, then further upon the physical body and our nervous system. The beings whose leader is Azazel are also revealed to a clairvoyant as appearing similar to human beings, usually as a head with the wings of a raven. Number three. Third is indifference and insensitivity toward the spiritual worlds. Many of us listen to an esoteric lesson, but then there is no response to what has been given. They are unable to raise themselves in spirit in ordinary daily life 
and to think spiritual thoughts. Others are merely curious to see and hear something from the spiritual world and throw themselves into meditation without devoting themselves to systematic study because that is too inconvenient for them. With esotericists, this works upon the eye, from there upon the astral body, then further upon the etheric body, indeed upon that part we call the chemical ether, and from there upon the physical body in all its fluids and glands. Azazel, with his swarm, wants only to further good effects in non-esotericists, since those effects are not destructive to a non-esotericist, but work in a supplementary way, so to speak. Esotericists are required to be fully conscious at all times of their responsibility for themselves and for the world. When awakening, insensitive esotericists will have a feeling of drowning, flood. The stronger, the more they surrender themselves to ordinary, everyday sense impressions. Esotericists should constantly watch themselves. There is no harm in esotericists occasionally brooding over themselves. Only in this way will esotericists realize what is brought to us at the end of every esoteric lesson from the Masters of Wisdom. Quote, in the spirit lay the seed of my body. Close quote, the end of Record C. Record D. We cannot take the esoteric life seriously enough. Exercises are given to us for our advancement, but the enemies that are opposed to this advancement are our old everyday habits of life. The gratification of egotistical wishes works destructively for the entire further evolution of humanity, while the satisfaction of selfless deeds helps to foster this evolution. So too all impulsive emotions, passions, the propensity for untruthfulness, for lies and spiritual insensitivity, these all work destructively, hindering evolution. The gratifications of egotism, of emotional impulses and passions, sit directly in the etheric body, in the warmth ether, and work from there into the blood, warming it. Only proper self-knowledge, that leads to disgust at oneself, can work to cool it down. Self-knowledge is always a battle. In order to eliminate this damage, swarms are sent out by the good spiritual powers to destroy these effects. Swarms under Samael, who belongs to the fire salamanders but appears to a clairvoyant in human form with wings instead of arms, Habits of untruthfulness sit in the light ether, also a part of the etheric body, and they work by means of the astral body into the nervous system. Azazel is placed against these effects. We must fight with him when we have a feeling of being strangled upon awakening, as if one had to swallow an ugly animal. This is a certain sign that this propensity for lying is present in one. The third enemy is spiritual indifference. No interest in spiritual facts. This one sits in the chemical ether, works from the eye out into the astral body, even into fluids. Azazel is present to eliminate these destructive effects. 
The presence of this spiritual insensitivity brings about a feeling of drowning, a feeling of not being able to find oneself upon awakening. An esotericist should fight with these three powers. The worst for an esotericist is being satisfied with oneself. Then there is no further advancement on the esoteric path. The end of Record D. Record E. We have already seen how esotericists, through proper meditations and concentration exercises, must manage to develop themselves consciously through the world of illusions to spiritual reality. On this path, those beings that are allowed by the wise powers as luciferic swarms are helpful, so that esotericists can achieve their goal through trials. From this point of view, these are good luciferic beings, whose leader is Samael. Now there are still more such beings, and here we have to begin with to observe Azazel with this swarm. Human beings usually possess more dishonesty and untruthfulness than they themselves know. I see that there are many who say, quote, I really don't have any more dishonesty in me. I have set that aside. But this dishonesty is so subtle that we are usually not even conscious of it, since we often ascribe entirely false motives to our actions, although in reality we are actually motivated by entirely different grounds. All of this dishonesty brings us to Azazel's attention with his swarm. When we feel as if we were being pinched by pliers and tortured by a thousand arms, then we should reflect upon how deeply we are still entangled in dishonesty and lies. A third being that approaches an esotericist is Azazel. This one, too, can call forth a feeling of being pinched, and also a strangling, scratching feeling in the throat. And again, we need to be clear about the bad character traits that we still must set aside. For example, all our insensitive indifference toward world events. An esotericist should not feel indifference toward what happens in the world. Most people are so indifferent because they are entangled in egotism, so that they are entirely indifferent toward everything that happens around them. This is where the apathy of the masses with respect to spiritual beings comes from. That is the end of Record E and the end of that esoteric lesson. Esoteric Lesson Given Berlin on October 30th, 1911 Record A notes from Rudolf Meyer Record B anonymous manuscript from Freda Collection Record C, manuscript from Camilla Vondry. Record D, manuscript from Louis Classon. Record A. When we immerse ourselves in our own inner nature, we find many beings there. This may at first seem strange, but the farther we come, the more we learn to see into the spiritual world. The more we will see that a number of spiritual beings are at work in us, often to compensate for the destruction we human beings in our foolishness perpetrate. Let us ask ourselves, where does illness come from? We know that every illness has a spiritual cause in addition to the physical cause. This spiritual cause can be found in immorality, 
passions or other misdeeds in this life, though usually in, a pre- in the previous incarnation. The victory over every illness sets forces free. However, this does not mean that we should draw out an illness for as long as possible in order to advance as quickly as possible. Rather, everyone should do as much as possible to become healthy as soon as possible. However, if we have been ill for three weeks or for three months, we should regard this as karma and bear it with patience and equanimity. But there is a second reason why an illness is something beneficial. Ever since Lemurian times, through Atlantis up till the mystery of Golgotha, humanity has sunk deeper and deeper into matter. And because we follow our instincts and passions, we have had to sink deeper and deeper, constantly brought further away from the aims that God has set for us. It is illness that diverts this impulse downward, so to speak, and gives us again an upward direction. Contemporary academic scholarship condemns theosophical teachings as daydreams. But one need only to take a book in hand, such as John's Gospel or any theosophical book, and one will see how enlivening, how refreshing its effects are, while a materialistic or monistic book dries up and withers the soul. And because this purely materialistic thinking only consumes forces, the consequences will appear in the next existence. Such people will be afflicted by a kind of feeble-mindedness. Their brains will be an entirely spongy, watery mass. They will want to think, but won't be able to think. This feeble-mindedness is a blessing that protects these people from sinking down into, into matter irredeemably. This is so because the existence of feeble-mindedness protects the brain from materialistic thinking. Then the eternal self can work on the essential core of a person's being, two times consecutively in Devakan, and influence it so that it again strives upward. And there's a diagram uh, to see there. All of you have already experienced, or still will experience, that in meditation one feels detached or uncoupled. The etheric body is expanded, and one feels oneself carried out into distant borders of the world. And then, suddenly, one feels oneself again firmly bound to this world. One cannot detach from it. One sits as if in a vice. This is actually quite good. It is our karma from earlier incarnations that holds us so firmly. If, as a consequence of our meditations, we would immediately ascend into the spiritual world without having carried out our karma, the consequence would be a steep fall. The leader of the swarms that tie us firmly to the earth is Mehazael. We come to know him when we ascend within ourselves. So too with Samael, Azazel, and Azael. 
we will then realize that our inner being really is a field of action for demons, quote, and their number is legion, close quote, as we read in the Bible. On our esoteric path, we should learn these names so that we come to understand and gradually outgrow them. Through his work, Azael compensates for what arises in us through insensitivity to the spiritual world. When we acquire complete dispassionateness and serenity, then we take over the work of Azael. But this is what dispassionate means, not jubilating in joy, not complaining in pain, but rather recognizing the reality of karma working in everything. We should not believe in the idea of karma only theoretically. Rather, we should feel that karma is at work in everything that we meet. In the stages of Christian initiation, this is called the scourging, that is, self-composed, we calmly confront all the pain and suffering of life, which hits us like the lashes of a whip, knowing that they are karmically determined. This is genuine serenity, composure. We know that the physical world is only a mirror image of the astral world in such a way that everything appears inverted or turned around. An infinitely important meditation, useful for making the saying, quote, the world is only maya, close quote, effective, is the following. Everything that we have around us is actually inverted. What we see from above to below is actually from below to above, Plants have their roots above and blossoms below. The starry world above us and in front of us is actually the result of spiritual beings that in reality are at work behind us. The sound that the left ear receives actually comes from the right. We must live into these facts, also with the complementary colors. We should imagine that the red spots on someone's face are actually green or what protrudes we should imagine as inverted inward. With a plant we should imagine green as reddish lilac, the brown root as dark blue. We should permeate these exercises with reverence and devotion. Altogether this is the feeling in which we may hope to approach the divinity of the world. God remains only an abstraction through mere thinking, we must permeate our thinking with devotion, reverence, and humility. Then we can hope to penetrate into the spiritual world. The end of Record A. Record B. It can, of course, happen to anyone that they become ill sometime. Although we should look for the appropriate medicine, an esotericist should ask where the cause of the illness lies. It will be found that there is always a spiritual soul reason for the illness, either a moral or some other kind of wrong from this incarnation, but usually from a previous earth life. But why do human beings become ill anyway? Because in every human being there are instincts that draw one down and that can be transformed through illness into ascending instincts. If we represent by means of this curve, there's a picture, the evolution of the human being, then X represents an impulse downward. 
brought about by a wrong action at a certain moment. A human being would follow this impulse and be completely lost to those worlds that are the goal of human existence if the creator of humanity had not at a certain moment allowed illness to appear, which can transform this impulse into an upward-striving impulse. There are many such impulses leading the human being upward, but this is not otherwise possible if we consider that our entire evolution from Lemurian time until the event of Golgotha was nothing other than descending, and that only since that time has the possibility come to lead human beings upward again. And the time that has passed since Golgotha is, of course, very short compared to the long period of time that lies before it. Also, there are downward-leading impulses in humanity that are still to be revealed in the future. A striking example of this is the entire field of materialistic academic scholarship. This makes human beings insensitive to spiritual worlds, and the materialists that are now seen as authorities will be born in the next incarnation with brains that will be like mush, so that they cannot serve as instruments for thinking. But this will happen only so that the downward direction can be turned around into an upward direction. Such human beings will then experience two successive periods in the spiritual world, Devakan, without undergoing an earthly life between them that could transform the ascending impulses acquired during the first Devakan into descending impulses. It is clear to esotericists that our feelings, thoughts, and all that we find when we descend into our own inner being is not we ourselves, but other beings that are present within our being. Parenthesis concerning those the Gospel says, quote, Our name is Legion, close quote, close parenthesis. In the moment when we descend into our inner realm, we find these beings on all sides, striving outward. Beings such as those we heard about the last time, Samael, Azazel, Azael. But it can also happen that esotericists say to themselves, quote, As I am able to strive, I am too weak even in order to properly carry out my meditations. Other thoughts always intervene. This originates in those downward-leading impulses that constitute our karma. Even if they do not lead to illness, they are what create a wall around us, like a mountain burdening us, that prevents us from soon entering the spiritual world. People could, for example, according to the energy invested in their meditations, enter into the spiritual world in a few days. But their karma prevents it for many years, indeed for good reason. Otherwise, they would bring along all their faults and weaknesses. However, those who constantly meditate with diligence and devotion, ideally on one and the same object, constant change in meditations is a sign of weakness, will assuredly, eventually, have a certain experience. Those who have not yet had it will definitely one day later have it, that is, a certain feeling of blessedness 
of detachment from the body, as if carried through space on wings. And when one returns, it feels like one is in a prison, like being chained to a single spot when one is again enclosed within the limits of the body. This feeling also originates in a swarm of spirits whose leader's name in the same nomenclature used previously is Mehazael. These four classes of beings are what we find within us. Their outer appearance, the way they appear to clairvoyant vision, is not very important. It is more important how we feel them. These are the beings that saints and ascetics are referring to when they speak of their temptations and visions. And when they describe the feeling of being attacked with glowing pincers, then they are referring to Mahazael. In esotericism, we are working in a certain sense against these beings. Those who, for example, are really permeated by the idea of karma and do not think merely it theoretically, arrive at a certain equanimity with respect to joy and suffering and all that can occur to them. In this way, we work against Azael, who is to remove the consequences of human insensitivity toward the spiritual world. Those who have attained such equanimity are very observant of their surroundings. Apathy, such as that demonstrated by the teacher already described, cannot occur with such an imperturbable person. This apathy is extraordinarily widespread in the present time. For example, students who diligently take notes at a lecture usually do so only because they can do so mechanically and are not required to think at the same time. For this reason, immediately afterward, they have no idea what they have written down. Those who have passed through Christian initiation and have gotten as far as the appearance of the scourging are also working against Azael. The world is Maya. These words should acquire content and significance for us. Even those in science have discovered this, here and there. In the coming years they will discover still more esoteric principles, but they don't realize it. Johannes Müller, who lived at the beginning of the 19th century, has already discovered that the world actually shows itself to us in its reflection. If we see the sun in front of us, then we know there is a spiritual sun behind us that calls forth the illusory picture of the physical sun before us. If we see the stars above us, and below us are the beings that project through us the image of the starry heavens. The red color of a face is in reality bright green. Where there is light there is darkness and so forth. If we see a flower then we should think of it inverted. The dark roots above are colored blue, question mark in the German. The green leaves reddish violet. The retina is not in the eye, as the materialist thinks. The outstanding physiologist, Johannes Müller, who is highly respected by materialists and yet far surpasses them, taught that the retina is outside. The entire world around us is the retina, and the one in the human eye is only a reflection of the same. The entire human being is out there, spread out in space. These are effective imaginations, 
if we carry them out properly and do not attempt to capture them with the intellect. The end of Record B. Record C. When human beings descend into their inner being, they find not only themselves, but also entire swarms of beings that are enclosed within them, beings whom human beings should overcome and liberate. If we have a serious illness or otherwise a difficult destiny through life, we should be clear that this is a karmic consequence, usually from previous incarnations. These arise from immorality or other human weaknesses, which then in this incarnation serve to give us new impulses for advancement by overcoming them. Human beings have the tendency to fall into the abyss because of the various mistakes they have made in previous incarnations. Through illness, they get a new impulse that protects them from sliding down into the abyss, that gives them an impetus to lift themselves up toward the spiritual powers. Nevertheless, we must do all that is possible for a reasonable person to do in order to get rid of the illness. People who are materialists in this life will in their next life be feeble-minded. They will have a brain that is too soft because in this life they have given too little nourishment to their souls. Were the feeble-mindedness not to occur, these people would be irredeemably lost because a healthy brain would simply lead them further in the earlier direction. Esotericists often experience moments of great blessedness because their etheric bodies are completely spread out in the spiritual world. Afterward, when they return, they feel enslaved, shackled. They feel themselves as if chained to the physical body. Countless swarms of beings bring this about, swarms that are named after their leader, Mehazael. Esotericists will always know when they are experiencing this depressing feeling of being enchained that Mahazael's swarms are working against them and want to pull them down. Often they will feel as if they were being pinched and tortured by glowing hot pinchers. In Christian initiation, this is called the scourging. We must not think of the human being as if the human being were a bundle of instincts, passions, and strong emotions. Rather, it is the case that we have within us entire swarms of beings. This is mentioned in the Gospel. For human beings who encounter these four swarms, the swarms of Samael, Azazel, Azael, and Mehazael, it doesn't matter whether they see them clairvoyantly or not. The only thing that is important is how the human beings feel when encountering them. We can learn from this that our entire personality is maya, illusion, and that we can find our sustaining support only in what belongs to the spiritual world, in our individuality, in our higher self. The end of Record C. Record D. The last time we heard that when we descend into ourselves, we encounter beings that are not character traits in us, but are real bundles of beings that are enclosed by our sheaths. Those were Samael, Azazel, Azael, and, additionally, now Mehazael. 
We encounter these after blessed moments in meditation, after we have been carried out into other worlds and we return to our own being, within which an enormous sum of mistakes, lies, and immorality have piled up through many incarnations. For these, karmic compensation must be provided. With these karmic consequences, we bring an impulse downward. Through illness and the blows of destiny, this impulse is blunted and turned upward. Mahazael works on this karmic balancing. When we return from meditation, we feel him as if we were being squeezed in a vice. On the Christian path, this corresponds to the scourging. Whether we advance along the esoteric path more quickly or slowly depends upon our karma. We feel resistance within us that prevents us from meditating in the correct way. Here it is good for us to be lenient with ourselves. We must be so egotistical and unbelievably arrogant to think that we are such highly developed beings that we can enter into the spiritual world in three weeks or three months. We should not merely have abstract thoughts about the external world, but rather develop living forces. The world is maya, a mirrored image of spiritual actions that work through us from behind. And that is the end of... This uh, section, section 5 of the book, goes up to page 227.